0: what God has to say. Are you guys with us this morning? Yeah? Let's pray this morning. Father, we're so thankful. Um, God, I just sense an expectancy here this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to lead us as a body. Um, we thank you, God, for the way that you provide for us, God. Uh, yes, God, we can, we can pray and believe that you will take care of us financially, but God, the spiritual blessing that is attached to knowing you and following you Um, is something that we can't quantify, we can't measure. So we're forever grateful for that. We thank you for being in our midst this morning, and we look to you for all things, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to be with you today. And uh, so I guess we've got some snow coming, but... uh... But I saw a sign in front of another church that that said, uh, "I promise spring is coming." Signed, God. I thought that was a great, I thought that was really classy for another church. We don't have the cool letters like that we can change out on our sign, or I would do something really clever like that. But uh, anyways, appreciate the humor there. It's coming, and I uh, appreciate you coming here. It's warm because the heat's on, and because we're all here, right? This is a place where we're hopefully you feel loved. We exist to welcome people home to God, His family, and His plans. Got a new new series today we're kicking off. It's called Endgame. Game. I'll explain that in a little bit, but we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And I say this over and over again in church and on Sundays is that the Bible is, is so amazing for so many reasons, but I think my favorite reason is that it's full of real life. And so this isn't a highlight reel of the, of the few people that got it right or, or just that had nothing really bad happen to them. It's story after story of, of people that had to trust the living God to endure and to move forward. And they saw themselves as part of a larger story. And, uh, and so we're going to uh, go through that this month. I'm so excited about it. So here's some backstory on Joseph. There's a phrase that goes, goes throughout the Old Testament about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have you ever heard those three names rattled off together? So, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Well, that is Joseph's or great-grandfather grandfather and father. And so, uh, the, so, Joseph is the next in the line of those names along with count them 11 brothers right and so fast forward those 12 crazy guys would be the 12 tribes of israel and so this is where all of that happens and and uh and his dad jacob would be his name would be changed by god to israel and then his sons would be the ones that would start these clans these tribes that would move through well 10 of those brothers are actually half brothers and the story on this is crazy. You had two sister wives that, uh, that had this baby-making competition, and it was all hands on deck, and it was, it was babies, 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 and I'm better than you because I'm giving more sons. And within there, within that dynamic, was the fact that Jacob always loved Rachel the most. And, and this is weird stuff. This is in another time where, where, where women, if they weren't attached to a husband, there, there was no life for them. There was no provision. And, and so it's just the way it was. It's one of those things that is just in that context. And then Rachel is finally able to have a son of her own and it's little baby Joe. It's little Joseph. And then she would have one more. So Joseph has a full brother named Benjamin right so you've got this backstory you've got this lineage of this faith uh carrying men that are that are moving this faith into reality and and this nation that God has promised is coming to be you have this drama in the house of two wives and then two servant basically wives all having children 10 half brothers and a younger brother there's nothing on tv today that could compete with the drama in that tent okay yes i said tent i mean could you imagine 12 boys fighting over the donkey on date night i mean this is this is not good like like it's my turn you know like and and i mean this is bad stuff i won't do stand up today i promise no tv show could keep up with this drama and within all of this so you have Joseph is the son of the preferred wife. And he becomes the favorite son. We'll call him number one son. Now, I, when I call and leave a voicemail for my parents, I say, this is Adam, number one son. Like Because I do have a brother. He is younger. He is less handsome and less smart. No, I'm just kidding. He's actually better than me at so many things, it's ridiculous. He's going to be, um, he's actually going to become a licensed local pastor in the Methodist church on March 3rd, incredibly proud of him. He's a better youth pastor than I ever was, and, and I just love him. But I arrived way ahead of him. I've got the market on this, and so I, I, I keep my title and and I I walk with a little bit of swagger in my house, much to to the annoyance of my siblings. Number one son. So here's Joseph, but here's the deal. His dad was public with his choice of Joseph being his favorite. That's bad. And you've got ten brothers that are older than you and bigger than you. And so, uh, so then this coat comes on the scene. The best that's been translated is that it was colorful. And so this has been you know, taken into Broadway as the, you know, the, the Technicolor dream coat. And, and that's a whole very loose interpretation of a Bible story, by the way. Um, not preaching from that one. And, uh, and so we have this special coat. We have this number one son. And oh, by the way, he gets Dreams. And he's dumb enough to tell them to the people in his life. And the dreams go something like this. I had this dream where I was, a, where, where I was like being bowed down to by these other stars and the sun and moon. Huh. And the number was conveniently like you know, 11 stars and the sun and moon, like his family would be bowing down to him. Oh, and then I've got this other one where it's these sheaths of, 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 sheaths of, of grain and, and, and the, these ones are all bowing down to me. Well, let me tell you something. I'm a big brother and any time one of the younger three needed correction and my parents wouldn't do it to the effect that I thought was required, I would take it upon myself to put things into order behind the scenes right and so anyway so we have this we have this guy and 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 he's got a good life he didn't ask for this right he's 17 he's dad's favorite he's he's mama's boy he's got it going on right most people want to just live their life and chase their dreams how many of you know here's a here's a big question for you today how many of you know that one day can change your life one day some of those days change your life for the good wedding day births of your children some of those days can change your life for the worse wedding day births of your children (laughs) Dude, I was so excited to tell that joke today. <laughs> seriously, seriously, some days seem to mess everything up. So it's an early fall day. It's a while back. It's a clear day, beautiful, beautiful early fall day. And um, working at the at the Home Depot, and, and I go in, and and uh, just something's not right and I just see just see people moving around usually at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever like it's you know it's not a whole lot happening yet I see people scrambling on here like you know we need to find a TV you know like is there a TV in the store well it's Home Depot we sell boards not televisions right except at Black Friday or something well they get this TV on and and they're just replaying over and over again what, I can't even tell how big it was, but but an airplane going into one of the Twin Towers. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at this horrible accident, right? And then, I mean, it's just looping and looping and looping. And then you see another plane, and it goes into the other tower. And all of a sudden, the, the feeling of this isn't an accident anymore, right? 9-11, of course. And um, speaking of 9 11, a young guy got a dream that day that he wanted to be a firefighter, and he officially became one basically this week. Jalen Richardson. Is he in here? Raise his hand. He's on security. Congratulate him when you see him. He's pushed. Jalen, we're proud of you, new firefighter. That day started a dream in his heart to be a firefighter, and he'd be one today. So uh, we're going to go to his graduation thing this uh, coming Friday. And, and, uh, but anyways, one day, I can remember uh, before that, I was a teenager, and I uh, remind my kids that I actually was one at one point, so I know the tricks. But I can remember, I can remember my, seeing my parents upset, and, and they'd gotten a phone call, and, uh, and one of my close friends had uh, had died in a car accident on right here on 204 and it was the first time where somebody like my age you know those are those are weird moments right and and it kinda took away that it took away part of my youth that day right and so one day can change everything we've all had collisions with life that have changed us forever and I want you to hear Joseph's story at least the first uh, chapter of it here in Genesis 37 we've all had collisions with life I'm going to be reading uh, verses 12 through 14 and then 18 to 28 (coughs) excuse me that time of year verse 12 soon after this Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Say that a bunch of times fast. Pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. Skip a little bit ahead, verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him here comes the dreamer they said come on let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him then we'll see what becomes of his dreams but when Reuben heard of this the oldest brother he came to Joseph's rescue let's not kill him he said why should we shed any blood let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. So in other words, they were going to throw him into a cistern with water in it and drown him and then tell dad a wild animal got him. Biggest brother Reuben steps in and says, no, we shouldn't kill him. And then before you get too proud of old Reuben, old Ruby, he says, let's just put him in a dry one and we'll sell him. Okay, good, good guys. But he does say so Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So, so a little bit of uh, justice there maybe. So then when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They weren't jealous of that robe, were they? They grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, these dudes... They saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of materials uh, from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. (laughs) very good and his brothers agreed so when the ishmaelites who were midianite traders came by joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold to him sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver and the traders or the the traders took him to egypt the traders sold him to the traders there you go wow this story is is it's unthinkable and I think we can all see ourselves in this story to the extent of that we've all had our world shaken and we've all been done wrong by people, right? Joseph lost everything in one day and it was taken from him. Sometimes you just have a bad day and stuff just, life just happens to you. This was done to him, right? It would have been bad enough if he had just got lost and separated, but he was betrayed. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the problem so many people get stuck right there. You might have a face to put with it. How many did Joseph have? He had ten. Baby brother Benjamin was, was at home, okay? So he had ten brothers. Ten faces that he could focus his emotions on and say, these ten took my life away from me. The problem gets deeper, though, is because sometimes we might have a face to go along with what has hurt us, whether it's a diagnosis or whether it's a person. But the problem is, is that we go deeper and we say something like this, how could God, allow this to happen to me. So not only do we feel betrayed by the ten jerky half-brothers, if we're not careful, we'll feel betrayed by God. And so many people get stuck in this place of hurt and they have a chip on their shoulder that starts with the people around them, but it ends with God, and they say, I can't go any further as far as trusting you because of what you've allowed to happen to me. And if we're all being real honest, we've all said that. Okay? We've all shaken our fist and shouted, why me? This is why we're calling this series the end game. End game is this great phrase, and I've mentioned it in other series. I just, I just am fascinated by it. Um, it's, I think it was first used in kind of the chess world, and then it's become more commonly used in video gaming and things like that, and, and it really just is that simple. It's talking about the end of the game. But if somebody is playing an end game, That means they're playing with the end in sight. Everything they do is moving towards the end. Now God is playing an end game. It's, it, this is all moving towards something. We're not just some random giant set of clockwork set in motion, and I'm going to go check on some other planets, and I'll get back to you and see how this works out. No, 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 no. There is something that's orchestrated here. There's something that where he is moving in. We've got a lot of imagery and, and some pieces of this and some different prophetic books in the Bible that show us kind of some ideas of what this is going to finish like. God is working towards that, and He wants His people to be living an end game. Here's some ways to explain this. So, uh, I'm a movie buff. I love them, right? And so, any Avengers fans in the church today? Who knows that Marvel is better than DC? Okay, who just got really upset and they're going to leave the church after this Sunday? Okay, my son-in-law is a Batman-like you know, freak. So I, will hurt his feelings with something like that, but we're getting ready to get the second part of this huge movie of, of Avengers. And it's, it's end game. It's, it's, it's how this whole thing's going to work out. And for those of you that don't care, I'm sorry. These are one of my many pop culture references. And, and basically we watched half the world disappear in the last movie. Half. It was so depressing. I, it was the worst movie. I was like, great in one aspect, but I was like, this is terrible but there's a character in here and for just try your best to stay with me. Those of you that just don't care at all about this, but there's a character in here and I know it just sounds crazy. It's named Dr. Strange. He's able to see into the future. And so he spends a few minutes in the last movie where he works out. They say, what did you just do? He said, why? Well, I, I went into the future. Well, how many times? Oh, about a million. I saw every possible outcome of what could happen. And he came back with the only thing that would work to, of course, defeat the bad guy and win. That's what every movie wants to do. Endgame is where you see what is down the road and you're making the necessary decisions now to get there. And you, you might have to be willing to take some hits along the way to get where you want to go. So, uh, have you ever heard the expression playing for keeps? Absolutely. It's how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon. Here we go. Think about the Wild Wild West. You called me a name. I called your mom a name. We're both going to grab our sidearms and we're going to go out into the middle of the dusty street. We're going to pace off. One man's walking away. How stupid was that? Pretty stupid. But there's, there's an end there. There's something, that's, there's something of, of, a, of a final thing that's happening with these things. It's like, I'm going to do what's necessary for what's coming at the end. If you like watching boxing or wrestling or anything like that, and you have this, every once in a while you get a title match. Well, you can have a whole lot of other matches, but when there's a title on the line, it's different. we are playing a title match and we're playing one with a thousand rounds John 10:10 describes our enemy as a thief who's waiting to steal kill and destroy some of these rounds you're not gonna win how many of you have had rounds in your life where you know you lost absolutely the hits are going to come we might get knocked down but we can get back up and play to the end this is why we're looking at the life of Joseph we're gonna see in the next few weeks that he was betrayed he was accused he was forgotten but he never stopped living with the end in sight he never stopped playing the end game so here are some other questions for you today where are you at today are you on top are you on the ground down for the count or are you catching your breath between rounds sometimes you better the really really good news is that god sees you He can and will see you through if if you're playing the end game. If you're living with the end in sight. And I don't mean that in a morbid way. I mean that in a victorious way. Right? Right? What do we do when life doesn't seem to match the dream? That's just Tuesday, right? What do we do? Because this is, this is part of life. This is what we've all experienced. What do we do when life doesn't match the dream? Let's look at Joseph and see what happened after he was betrayed and abandoned. I'm moving up to Genesis 39. If you want an even crazier story, read 38 in between. Genesis is just... Drama, 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 drama. I'm just going to read the first few verses here, four verses. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. What do we do when life doesn't match the dream? I believe that Joseph shows us three things in this story of what happened after his betrayal. Keep in mind, in one day he woke up a son and he went to bed a slave. That's a bad day, friends. Right? Three things Joseph shows us after his betrayal. I'll I'll tell you all three and then we'll break them down. Presence, promise, and purpose. Let me say those again. Presence, not like the presence I like for my birthday, but the presence of the Lord. Promise and purpose So, number one presence it says there are a couple different ways it says the Lord was with Joseph there's something about that that is so reassuring but if we're being honest incredibly frustrating because I think that's where that bitterness can stay in there especially those of us that really have set our hearts uh, in on the Lord that I trust him with my life I know what he's capable of I, I said this with um, was talking with our friend Richard in the hospital he's having good days and bad days he's got a fight to get out of this uh, open-heart surgery that he's gone through and and uh, he needs your prayers but when I'm sitting with somebody in a situation like that and I know that I serve the God that can heal I, I i still get frustrated and if i'm not careful i can get bitter. at god this guy needs you you know uh... we need we need a few more good days in a row here why did the kidneys have to stop working god like they could have come back on you know why didn't the full power-up sequence work here you know where what's going on you are you are capable and We've all talked this way to God. I I believe that. And I I think he's okay with it, first of all, that, that he wants us to engage him with these things. But it says that the Lord was with Joseph. Well, why did he prevent him from getting sold into slavery? This is where the end game comes into mind because the end game means that no matter what happens to us even if it's the very end of our physical life we know that there's an end game happening spiritually that's beyond what happens to this body this portable tent is what the Bible calls it like it's there's there's something bigger now this is all we see and so we we hang on to it with everything we have and it means the world to us and I believe we should absolutely cherish life absolutely but not at the expense of giving up on the end game. And so I can sit by somebody who's going through pain because I know the end game. I know that all of us are fully restored and, and, and will we'll sit in heaven with Father God at the end of our days no matter what happens along the way. So, of course I can sit there. I still wonder why, and I bet Joseph wondered why, he was in Egypt. But this says that the Lord was with him. Friends, we can't diminish that. This is where having great-grandpa Abe and grandpa you know, Isaac and, and Father Jacob, this is where all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I've heard about some stuff like this. And, and the way we do this in our family is we trust God. What a heritage. What, what causes a young man to be betrayed by his family, lose everything, and then to show up ready to work at Potiphar's place? What were his other options? Now, in that day, if you wouldn't have been a good slave, then you would have been good as dead. I mean, you could see engaging just for the sake of survival. But this is, this is like the A-plus student. It says Potiphar was just able to, he just started trusting with everything. One is the presence. The Lord was with Joseph. When we have had the rug pulled out from under us, when, when the day comes where everything shifts in our life and, and we're pretty certain it's for the worst, and we don't know what's happening and we don't like it, the one thing, the most important thing we have is the presence of the Lord. Because no matter what, that cannot be taken away from you. You actually take that from this life into the next that's that's why we that's why we're here right the presence of the Lord number two is promise it says in those verses that favor followed Joseph well how much favor can be following you if you went from a cistern to slavery to Egypt right this is another one of those things it's like God real favor would mean that I didn't go through this your real presence would mean that you would have protected me from this. And so we, can, we have to choose how we look at these things. And if we're playing an end game, that translates into trust. And it, it goes something like this. God, I don't like this. It's okay to tell him that. God, I don't like this at all. And I don't even like those people at all. But, I will trust that you have a purpose that you're going to see through in this. And it might not be anything that I ever regain or profit from, but we've got to be okay that we can lose things for the benefit of others. Well, that's just dumb. I don't like it sometimes either. But what that means, what that means, it's actually better off if we're not the center of our story. I would much rather be a part of the story. My world can be so small when I'm focused on myself, and it's really not a happy place when I'm just living for me, even if it's moments at a time or a whole evening when I just want to sit and be grouchy. And hopefully at some point I just say, this is dumb. I, I need to, I need to give, I need to see the purpose that 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 is beyond my un, my my discomfort in this moment, or my pain, or my agony, or my worst fear that has now shown up right in front of me. Heard a testimony on a podcast this week of a lady who, who described it as, I had to face my worst fear and walk through it. Nobody signs up on, on that paper. Oh yes, Lord, could I please face my biggest fear this week? That'd be great. And in her case, it was followed up by breast cancer not long after that, and this three, this three years of just everything she had a Joseph set of three years where everything was turned upside down. The favor still followed Joseph even though he was in Egypt. We've got to understand that that even when we're in Egypt, even when our heart has been broken, even if we are in pain, there is favor of God running with us that people We'll notice. This says the captain of the king's guard. If you know your history, there was a time on this planet where it meant something to be a Pharaoh. Th- these were it. And so could you imagine how the captain of his guard rolled? This guy would have been. This guy would have been big stuff. And it says he's looking at this teenage slave that he picked up for 20 pieces of silver. Well, he probably paid a few more than that because they wouldn't have been good traders if they didn't make a profit. So I, he paid 25, 30 pieces of silver for this kid thinking he's just going to get some good work out of him. And all of a sudden, he's like, everything this guy touches turns to gold. Um, do you mind running everything for me? because I've got this boss that really keeps me busy and you're going to take care of my house that's what happened number one presence number two promise number three purpose Oh, purpose if you've got teenagers or you've had them that's all you're waiting for is for them to find their purpose if you've been a young person it's all you were waiting for is to find your purpose and to know that there's something that God has for you. And when you operate out of purpose, it gives you this perspective that says I'm going somewhere. And, and this, this is going to be okay. I, I, I don't like it but it's going to be okay Joseph knew get this get this today Joseph knew that his purpose was greater than his pain that will do so much for you it won't make the pain necessarily hurt less but you will see I'm okay if I got a reason for something right That matters so much and sometimes you do just have to god i'm out here i don't know why this hurts so bad i don't know what you have what this is going on for and i'm feeling pretty much on my own right here um but god i i know that you have a purpose for me i do not see how this fits in right now and i think we could have gotten there just fine without it if i'm being honest but is that okay if i talk like that okay But there's purpose. And and when I know that I'm moving on what in the plan that God has for me, it allows me to look at these things and say, I'm I can move past that. And it allows me to take my focus away from those people because Joseph had a choice of just being bitter and focusing on the ten. Or He could move forward and focus on the One. Friends, God has given us a way through the pain. Only the presence of God, His promises and His purpose for your life will see you through. But the really good news is He has those things for you. He's not going to ever withhold His presence from you. And when you feel like He's not around, you just got to keep pushing towards. Keep singing to Him. Keep praying to Him. Keep spending time with Him. The promises, they don't go away. And the purpose never goes away. What can we do about this? Number one, this has to do with the presence of God. Spend time in the presence of God. Well, as believers, we believe that He's omnipresent like you can't not be in the presence of God so what do you mean what are you talking about I'm talking about just like if you're married you're you're married no matter where you go I'm married but I need to choose to spend time and Danielle needs to choose to spend time to be present to each other what does that mean that means you actually have to systematically tell the kids to go away, put the dog in another room, you know, make sure there's less distractions and just say, "Hi, how are you?" Crazy, how are you? You know, but if you have to choose to spend that time and if you don't spend time present with your spouse, what's the situation going to be like? It gets harder, right? And so we need to spend time in the presence of God. Hopefully, You feel that as part of your experience here on Sunday mornings. I I wouldn't go to a church that I didn't feel that personally. Now, I I think it has mostly to do with you and little and less to do with the church. I'll just be real honest. If you pursue the presence of God, I guarantee you can feel his presence in any worship setting. That being said, we do things on purpose to make it easier. Does that make sense? There's a reason why we spend time singing. It's it's the weirdest thing that I believe most Christians do is stand in a room and sing together. If you did not grow up going to church, it's like um we only sing at, you know, uh Aerosmith concerts and birthday parties. Like um uh I'll sing if I know all the words at like, you know, a piano bar, but this is strange. What are we what are we doing? And there's really no like I like how we do our worship we don't have like a super like we've got these great talented people but we make sure that it's a group up there presenting and not like a rock star kind of thing we, we do those things on purpose because so we're all singing together but what are we doing this for it's because we're we're worshiping we believe that this is being offered up as worship to our God who made us and and by participating in that hopefully you feel something spiritually happening I do and and if you practice that guess what you have permission to do you can worship any other time of the week now you might choose not to in a board meeting or uh, you know but uh, what am I of course I'm being ornery but You find those times. Spend time in the presence of God. That's that's where the spiritual disciplines come in of, 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 of reading the Bible and of praying and of worshiping. That is your right as a son and daughter of the living God is to spend time in His presence. Every mother and father wishes they had more time with their kids. If you're honest, at some time when you're not in your teens, you wish you had more time with your mom and your dad at some point you're going to wish that right the father god wants you to spend time with him number one spend time in the presence of god number two remind yourself of the promises of god this is real key when things get real bad because it just might be repeating those things and just making those promises your prayer because you're really struggling with your faith at that moment. And it's just over and over again, God, I know you've promised to never leave me or forsake me. I don't feel you right now, but I know that you've promised that you never would leave me or forsake me. So I know that you really haven't. I don't feel you, God, right now, but I it's real important to me right now that I, I keep speaking this into my life right now because I don't feel you right now, God. So it's real important that I say, I know that you've promise that you will never leave me or forsake me those things those promises are the lifeline through those darkest days remind yourself of the promises of god number one spend time in the presence number two remind yourself of the promises number three live your purpose regardless of your situation get this joseph never stopped acting like a son he woke up a son he went to bed technically a slave but he never stopped living like a son So number three is live out your purpose regardless of your situation. And I don't say that to diminish anybody's pain today. I say that because of the pain you're in today. That decision of living with purpose will carry you through the darkness. Number one, spend time in the presence. Number two, remind yourself of the promises of God. Number three, live out your purpose regardless of your situation. No matter what you've lost, no matter who has left you, no matter who has betrayed you, if you will trust God with the end game of your life, He will see you through. Does anybody need to hear that good news today? Here's some questions for us as we close. Will you spend time? I just this is how we get through these things. So knowing that, what are we going to do about it? One, will you spend time this week seeking the presence of God? I'm so glad you came to church this morning. It is one piece of it. But if you don't engage that in between Sundays, you are setting yourself up for just getting the tar kicked out of you all week. And then walking back into the urgent care every Sunday. That's great. We're here for you. We'll have our prayer teams up here today. We want to pray with you. That's always here, it's always available. But why not? Why not make time for the presence of God this week? Number two, will you write out a few of God's promises? I got to quit. Will you write out a few of God's promises this week? Some of you guys are like this, the Post-it people. Who's a Post-it person? I keep them on my desk and I ignore them. It's great. I try so hard to be grown up. Maybe you need something on your mirror. Maybe you need something, you know, that just on your, you know, on your dash as you get in the car every day. Maybe you need it right there in the front of your Bible for when you open it. Maybe you need it on the refrigerator. Will you write out, or or even set it as, I did this for a while on my phone, I set myself a reminder that shows up every day that just says God is with you. What a nice thing to read every day. Will you write out a few of God's promises? Number three, will you live with purpose this week and live for the end game? You can be like Joseph and find life on the other side of loss. I've seen this, and in, in, I get to see a lot of people's pain. It's, it's one of the parts of this job that, that I, 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 I treat as sacred. I've seen people find life on the other side of loss. We all know that one day, one moment, one decision can change your life is today that day is today the day you will decide to play the end game can we pray this morning oh god i thank you you're so good god it's only in our humanity that we we get stuck on questions like well well why did he have to be why couldn't his brothers have just Put up with them. Why did, this, why did this have to happen? And God, forgive us all for saying the phrase, God, if you're good, this wouldn't have happened. Because we've all said it. And God, this is the question that, that the people in our lives are wondering too. And so, God, we've got to have an answer for this if we're going to share our faith with others. God, I thank you that there's an end game. God, I thank you that, that you are you're on track. There's nothing that's thrown you off. There's nothing that's surprised you. There's nothing that you haven't anticipated. And Father, God wants you to know that He's not happy that you're hurting. He doesn't even want us to hurt. So God, we have to trust you. God, I thank you that there is life on the other side of what anybody can do to us in this life. God, I thank you that anything can be taken away. Anyone can be taken away from us. And God, I thank you that there is life on the other side. God, I thank you that we can wake up a son, fall asleep a slave, but still keep on living as sons. That's hope. That's hope. That's life. That's love. That's something that can carry us through. few questions. Do you need to feel the presence of God this morning? I believe that he will make himself real to you. Do you need to feel the presence of God this morning? Raise your hand. I want to see where you're at this morning. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. Number 2, do you need to be reminded of the promises of God? Do you believe that they're for you or just the person next to you? It's a lot easier to believe in them for somebody else. Do you need reminded of the promises of God today? If that's you, I want to pray with you. Number 3, this is vital. Do you have, do you know your purpose? And I can't tell you what the details look like, but I can tell you it goes something like this. There's an end game and God wants you a part of it. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He has a desire to change you from the inside out. He has a desire to heal you and make you whole. He has a desire to use your story to make a difference in the lives of other people who feel as bad as you do today or worse than you will tomorrow. He has a purpose for you. Father God, I just speak encouragement over my friends today. God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that there would be a a physical sense of your presence, God, that they would understand that you are with them. Your word says that you were with Joseph. He had been betrayed and sold and abandoned, and you were still with him. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of our past, regardless of what anybody else has done to us, God, you are with us. And God, these people need to know it this morning. I pray that you would move in power in this moment. God, I thank you for purpose, God. And God, I thank you for your promises. God, I thank you that we have something to live for. We have life on the other side of whatever we've lost. And God, I thank you that you will see us through. And finally, if you've never chosen to trust Jesus with your life, if you've never chosen to ask him to forgive you of your past and to ask him to teach you and lead you forward, if you want and are ready to follow Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Is that anyone in this room this morning? We always want to make time for that. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for this end game. God, I thank you that through the life of Joseph that we are going to see that we can endure anything if we're living with the end in sight. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can we stand and worship? As we're worshiping, we've got people up front that want to pray with you. The smart people ask for prayer. Uh, They're up here for you. If you made a decision this morning and you want me and the leaders of this church to know about it, fill out an all-in card and turn that in at the welcome desk, we want to follow up with you and what God is doing in your heart.